Hola, hola, and welcome back to Brazen Radio. My name is Nina, and this is episode five. Let's talk Depop, shall we? <laughs> what do I mean by that? Well, first of all, how are you and how's your soul doing? I hope you've been keeping well these last few weeks. I know I've been adjusting to many unexpected turns of events while working very diligently to make sure I could prioritize my sanity and soul. And alas, here we find ourselves. So are you guys ready? Okay, strap in. Let's go. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. A world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. That, my friends, was Bush Sr. Letting us all in on the grand plan, a one-world governance. Love that. The ideology of a one-world government, a perfect society, it started with Hitler. Isn't that crazy? And yet, 40 years later, you have the leader of the quote-unquote free world affirming their plan to achieve the same control, which will, as he said, succeed. If true, or at least a plan that exists out there in our collective reality, then what would be some key things that would help that become successful? Well, for starters depopulation. And before you assume I'm doom and gloom, let's review some pros of depop. Yes, I know. <laughs> there are pros. First of all, there'd be less demands on resources as a general whole, things like jobs, food, material, waste, medicine, and so on. Ultimately, less demand on everything and anything, period. So I can see the sexiness of that. But then again, I have also heard you could fit the entire population of the world on the continent of Australia and still have space. So if that's true, then maybe we just start creating and implementing the right systems that would reduce demand and damage. And in fact, population has absolutely nothing to do with it. But that's not what we're talking about, right? So how much do you waste? How much do you consume? I mean, the so-called carbon footprint probably does count for something. But then again, I'm sure the air congestion that they lay and leave with their planes does as well. So will the lithium mines. Bless us. And by the way, they're highly pollutive, and they're unsustainable. And yet, we have an eco-push for more and more lithium production. Again, system problems over population problems. But let's move on. This push is coming from the same government who is chastising you now for all the strain that you've placed upon the grid, and all of the fuel you must consume by way of going to work to afford the taxes that they demand you pay. So to me, this is kind of like the most comical part, because in a few years, this same government chirping you for using fuel now will absolutely be chirping you for the demand you placed on the energy grid and the global warming you're causing because of it. And in 10 years, there will be a new tax introduced for doing as they asked you to do, to help pay for the irreparable damage that they knew would happen but ignored for the sake of progress. And if you ask me, this is a vicious and endless cycle, one where at the end of the day, profit and control are the one that drive the big picture. And I mean, it always has been. <sighs> That was pro-ish, right? Like, kind of? <laughs> sure, let's keep rolling. So the NWO, the New World Order, and the potential Depop agenda. I mean, if this is your first time hearing about it, all I can really say is members of the tinfoil hat community have been speaking and warning about this for decades. The term has been directly or indirectly implied by countless world leaders for an exceptionally long time. You don't believe me? Take a listen. 
This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. And now is a time when things are shifting. We're going to there's going to be a new world order out there, and we've got to lead it. And we've got to unite the rest of the free world in doing it. Our country is going through a transition. A new world order, a new set of challenges is confronting us. And the phenomenal opportunities before us to create a real new world order. This criminal government cartel doesn't recognize borders, but believes in global governance and rule by corporations. So you just heard from Justin, Biden, Hillary, Bill, and even Trump. All leaders are strong influences of free countries. So sure, they can comment on it, I suppose. But then you have people like this. The COVID-19 crisis has shown us that our old systems are not fit anymore for the 21st century. It has laid bare the fundamental lack of social cohesion, fairness, inclusion, and equality. In short, we need a great reset. We must not miss this unique window of opportunity. Right. That man. German-born during World War II, building the landscape of the future for humanity and the globe. Did you elect this man? Me neither. But okay. I love how he too has adopted the ideology of do not waste a crisis by immediately releasing his book, The Great Reset, which lays out exactly how the World Economic Forum and their associates can map out and control our futures. Do you want a copy? I'd love to give it to you for free. Please email me at brazenradio at gmail.com. Yeah, that's right, guys. I finally opened an email for this radio station. We're working on it. We're working on it. Station. Show podcast, whatever. The endeavor. Let's call it that. Anyway, let's get back to the topic. So why assume the worst? Let's again revisit the possibility that there is a positive drive behind these moves. We are on the brink of the most unemployed population we've ever seen. And why? Because the majority of humans are getting replaced by machines, which would be fine if we had built a future anticipating this ultimate outcome. But did we? I'm not so sure we did. Elon is one of the ultra-rich publicly discussing what this could and most likely will do to communities and civilization as a whole. So on that note, a lower population does make sense. If we don't have jobs, then there's no money. And if there's no money, then all basic needs will go unmet, which is extremely problematic since we've all descended so far from knowing how to survive, farm, build for ourselves, etc. So now, as a world or industry leader... Consider the risk to your investments, your future, your family, your legacy. For example, the potato famine of Ireland. When the public was well-fed, they wouldn't rise up or rebel against those governing them, which was primarily the church. But when the famine hit, those going hungry became ill with several communicable diseases. Because a malnourished body cannot fight back, and therefore, starvation leads to disease, and between the two, the end result is a massive loss in population. And just to draw some lines of comparison, we have been told a food shortage is coming. Are you prepared? Now, I know those of you listening know darn right a lot of people lost their jobs over the last two years. And just for the record, government aid and support is only available to the complicit, which is how so many people found themselves unemployed to begin with. So maybe part of the depop is to lower the suffering once these apparent inevitable outcomes reach our cities, communities, and families. Maybe. Nonetheless, I do find it concerning that you have an unelected, self-empowered philanthropist like, say, Bill Gates discussing population control. 
I mean, granted, he has mentioned the importance of population control for the sake of resource, which in turn limits poverty, disease, and many other logical on paper, but reptilian and thought process and idea plans. Idea plans. Moving on. <laughs> of course, I'm not going to target Bill Gates alone. Can you imagine, as a singular individual, you make a bunch of money, then you have the right and the platform to discuss what population does and doesn't need. Okay, great, you're educated, you have the resources, the access, the means, cool. But are you really using it for good? I'm not so sure. You definitely guise it as good. So, not trying to make assumptions about the motives. However, if you say we need less populace, why did you reproduce? I'm just saying it seems kind of hypocritical. But let's move on, because he's not the only fucking interested billionaire in dominance of the population, our policies, our way of living, and the access we have to the things that we have, even trying to maybe shift the landscape of the capitalist market that we currently get to benefit from, which socialism and communism has never worked historically. Why? Because there's still somebody deciding who gets what. At least in capitalism, there's an equal opportunity for everyone to try. That doesn't mean there aren't monopolized industries within it, but there's still so much possibility that lays before you. Whereas in communism, where's your drive? You're just trying to eat, survive, and follow the rules to get what you need to survive. I mean, I can't say it's not living. I've never lived in it. And obviously many haven't made it out alive. But what I can say is the life I've been given, the life I've been blessed to have access to, the capitalism I have not totally taken advantage of but should have, that at least gives me the freedom feeling, the feeling that I'm free to go forward and decide what works for me. The other way, it doesn't. It feels like in order to get the food stamp, you got to do this. If you don't get this trial injection, you can't get your paycheck this week. And granted, there's a few things on the way that definitely support that even further. But as I was saying... Gates isn't the only interested billionaire, neither Schwab. For example, let's consider the Georgia Guidestones. Have you ever looked into those? Ooh, buddy. They have quite the fucking origin story, to put it modestly. I mean, this isn't new. Special interest groups specifically interested in population control are real. And their motives and means, they probably vary substantially. But does that matter if the end goal is shared from places of power and influence? A lot of these are faceless and nameless interest groups like Vanguard. For example, they have a lot of control in the media and the housing market and every other investment platform and entity, but we don't know who they are. So I figured I would play you this clip of Bill Gates. This clip was from 2010, and it's centered around a program called Zero Carbon or something to that effect. And now you'll notice we're seeing this a lot on brands, government pages. Everything's about getting down to zero. To do that, we would not be here, but I'm just saying. <laughs> One of the components of this presentation, which I'm going to link in the show notes in full so that you can draw your own conclusions, is to deal with population. So you've got a thing on the left, CO2, that you want to get to zero. And that's going to be based on the number of people, the services each person's using on average, the energy on average for each service, and the CO2 being put out uh, per unit of energy. So let's look at each one of these and see how we can get this down to zero. Uh, probably one of these numbers is going to have to get pretty near to zero. Uh, that's back from high school algebra. But let's, let's take a look. Uh, first, we've got population. Uh, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, 
reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. Listen, I'm not here to just present my personal interests in this. He's saying that he uses vaccines to improve health, which he believes in turn lessens poverty. And he might be right. Many can argue that once basic human needs are met and more attainable, Maslow's hierarchy, and education is more widely available, reproduction is no longer an absolute need for survival the way it was prior, and the population just reduces itself. And I'm sure that's true, man. I mean, it makes sense. However, that point cannot be made without mentioning the fact that Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, in collaboration with PATH, an NGO, sponsored a bunch of studies on the effects of Gardasil, which is a vaccine that was developed intended to prevent HPV on underage girls who were mostly under the care of the state or illiterate parents in India. But this would improve their health, right? And therefore, it would help them get out of poverty, as Gates would say. And sure, it it probably outlined on paperwork the impact of all the good it was going to do. But you also just heard me tell you who was selected for this study, right? The uneducated, the homeless, the broke, the people who don't have access to the legal representation that they need. Should something happen? Now, the insane damage caused to these young girls will never be undone. And the government of India is absolutely trying to block some of these organizations from repeating this. However, what difference does it make? The damage is already done. And any financial backlash that gets faced by these organizations will go directly back to the hands of the hurt. Right? Wrong. They're not the ones with the representation. Their government is. Fuck. (laughs) I'll include an article that deals with talking about this in the show notes as well. I think it's important to understand the kind of backlash that we don't hear about here in the first world where Bill Gates is put up on some fucking throne or any of his invested parties or anyone who does believe that their, their position or their role in this world is to help evolve certain things, which absolutely let's do that. But don't target groups that can't make informed decisions. Please, I beg you, because it's disgusting. And in the end, you can just put it under the rug. And how many of them can actually even look you in your face and hold you accountable for what you've done to them or what you've done to their children? This is one of many examples philanthropic endeavors have had a higher cost than just doing a good thing that they claim to have sought out to do. Granted, this is messy because who wouldn't want to lower poverty and increase the quality of life for all? But that said, had our boy headed over to India, opened maybe like 50 schools, spent some time developing an education curriculum, ensuring that children and their parents could read, for example. So then when he comes in with his life-saving vaccines, they can actually make informed consent when they sign the papers for participating in drug trials. Getting off topic here. Let's get back to the NWO and Depop. It's important to notice how dependent we all are. Yeah. Could you educate somebody from JK to grade 12 right now? Without any additional resources other than what you have in your brain? Could you walk outside in nature and collect a meal for you or your whole family? Do you know how to make an electrical current? I am not asking this to be patronizing. I am asking these questions to highlight how integrated and dependent we are on the systems around us that are provided by our government but afforded by our taxes. Which means we can afford to make life whatever we want to make it, collectively. If only we could create an organization where we would maybe vote people into power and then they would do what we want. I think that was the premise of our government at one point. Somewhere along the lines, we got lost or confused or just gave up on trying to have any say or sway. So do your part. Get involved in local government. Thank you so much. Speaking of the give and take relationship we share with this government who loves us and our freedoms. Justin, 
I think it's important to also note that the Pfizer docs are coming out. Slowly, but there's a lot of valuable notes on their pages. And I think a few key takeaways would potentially be the magnitude of the side effects list. Now, from what I understand, this is all kind of unfolding, right? Because now we have sudden adult death syndrome, SIDS for adults. Sure, why not? But like not SIDS, but SIDS. <laughs> Sads. <laughs> it's not fucking funny. I just, if you don't laugh, it, then it's really hard to keep on keeping on. You know what I mean? You kind of get lost in it. So anyway, just as an example, we know that, such a weird example, but nonetheless, we know that Justin Bieber and his wife got vaccinated right? They promoted it during the period when it was the right thing to do, but, you know, absolutely no influencers were getting paid by these big pharma companies at all to promote. It's fine. Uh, we know that his wife had a heart problem that she had to go in for surgery for. And now Justin is canceling at least a few shows because he has partial facial paralysis. Now, he's been diagnosed by his doctors with Ramsey, Ramsey Hunt syndrome, which is apparently a virus that can cause facial paralysis. How did this just happen? Is this, is this normally just onset, not triggered by something? Maybe. But I've also seen a lot of vaccine-injured people whose face is half-paralyzed. Who knows what the cause is? Could be environmental. Could be a trial vaccine. It could be the wrong diet. It's unfortunate. It's really sad. But that's just one public face. There are a lot of private faces that are in the same shit. Half-paralyzed, seizing, twitching, and suffering. And then there's another huge group, and they're okay, which I find, well, I'm grateful, to be honest. I'm, I'm really grateful for the mass majority of people who did get their shot or shots and are still standing and functioning properly today. For those who didn't, my heart breaks because their intentions were good, but they don't get to have the same moment of heroism as the person on the other side because now they will permanently be reminded of the time that they chose to do what they thought was the right thing to do for the collective and yet that collective is nowhere to be found in their suffering to serve them. I'm not putting you down. I'm not putting me down. I'm not putting anyone down. It's very sad. But we can do something about it. We can pay attention. We can lift those people up. Try, if we know someone, to be proactive and offer our help into their lives. Regardless of which side you stood on at the beginning and regardless of where you stand now, your humanity still counts for something. And I hope you're using it the right way. Okay. So I'm, I'm having a bit of a qualm with this percent efficacy information that's contained within the Pfizer docs. First of all, half the population was given saline, which might support why there's a huge percent that's not affected by this, but I'm not going to make assumptions. Maybe their bodies were able to metabolize it properly. We will only know in time. There's a lot of information to kind of support that based on these documents. But anyway, so there's this note that kind of explains why initially there were all these timelines around when and how you had to get that shot. Once I became unmanageable, suddenly it didn't matter. There were different rules. You could mix injections, even though Pfizer specifically said, don't fucking mix our vaccines. But here in Canada, Trudeau said that was fine. Around the world, they said, nope, not fine. We're not recognizing that as vaccinated. Contradictory information left and right, but you know, we're all supposed to still be sane. <laughs> it's not funny. It's a little funny, but it's not funny. You know what I mean? There were also some mentions to like natural T-cell production and how after something about the amount of three doses, you will likely have destroyed your body's production system. And because of that, you're probably going to need more doses to stay safe because your body's going to experience a shortage. There's actually a chance that your body may no longer be able to produce them at all, nor meet a demand whatsoever to protect and defend you. Not only that, 
But this salvation jab doesn't even stop it from spreading to others, vaxxed and unvaxxed alike. So for those of you who are booster deep into this, I hope somehow, by the grace of being a good person inside and out, all of them were straight saline. No harm, no foul, just pure placebo. And since 50% of them were, the odds are in your favor. Okay, I'm getting way off topic. Let's, let's get back. I'm sure Bill Gates referencing vaccines for population control and Pfizer letting out that the shot could, you know, potentially kill your ability to defend yourself against infection. No way related to Depop or the New World Order, for sure. <laughs> the fact that when you talk about the New World Order, it's still called a conspiracy theory, even though there's hours, pages, and years worth of information to suggest that indeed it's not only real, it is seemingly trying to gather enough momentum to avalanche humanity into its new system. A system they've spent generations envisioning, hoping, scheming, and blackmailing for. The one that Klaus Schwab so brazenly wrote out the map for. The same man who created, developed, and invested in his Global Young Leaders Program. One which seeks out the best, the brightest, well-connected, and then grooms them to lead their countries, their nations, to free equality for all, where they own nothing and they're so happy. <laughs> oh yeah, he supports these Global Young Leaders. He connects them, and eventually, by proxy, he takes his throne atop the foundation that is our collective freedoms. Because they, like the Hitler Youth, were and have been groomed, guided, and educated into his and his very wealthy friends' global belief systems. And I'm not making this up. When I mention our names, like Mrs. Merkel, um, even uh, Vladimir Putin, and so on, they all have been young global leaders of the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. What we are very proud of now is a young generation, like uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, president of, of Argentina and so on, so that we penetrate the cabinets. So yesterday I was at a, at a reception for Prime Minister Trudeau, and I know that half of this cabinet, or even more half of, uh, half of this cabinet, are, for, are actually young global leaders of the world. He's a problem. <laughs> this man... He speaks on a new world order by way of a great reset. As an individual and as a global influence through his organization, the World Economic Forum, this unelected person is just out her wielding massive power within a majority of countries across the world. And in many respects, one might be even so bold as to suggest that he appears to be a big believer of commie, I mean socialism. Socialism. Because to be clear, he is in full support of digital ID, digital currency, social credit systems, and zero individual ownership. Look him up. He says this stuff out loud during interviews, in his books, and through his events. For example, look at Event 201, which was held in the fall of 2019 and hosted by the World Economic Forum, his company, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Mr. Gates's company, as well as the John Hopkins University. It began in healthy-looking pigs, months, perhaps years ago. A new coronavirus spread silently within herds. Gradually, farmers started getting sick. Infected people got a respiratory illness with symptoms ranging from mild flu-like signs to severe pneumonia. Public health agencies have issued travel advisories 
while some countries have banned travel from the worst affected areas. If there's some sense that there's a UN institution that can do all of this, then I, I, I worry we're suffering from a delusional disorder on the power of the UN. Uh, it's really important to get those industries and their trade associations and a, an efficient leadership established. Governments need to be willing to do things that are out of their historical perspective or for the most part. It's, it's really a, a war footing that we need to be on. To, to increase manufacturing of those types of products. It can happen quickly. A Marshall-type plan, uh, you know, I don't mean to say that exactly, but a Marshall plan that can go into effect uh, can stimulate uh, change very quickly. Countries are reacting in different ways as to how best to manage the overwhelming amounts of dis and misinformation circulating over the internet. How much control of information should there be? And by whom? And how can false information be effectively challenged? And what if that false information is coming from companies or from governments? We're at a moment where the social media platforms have to step forward and recognize the moment to assert that they're a technology platform and not a broadcaster is, is over. Um, they, in fact, have to be a participant in broadcasting accurate information and partnering with the scientific and health communities <clears throat> to counterweight, if not flood the zone, of accurate information because to, try to put the genie back in the bottle of the misinformation and disinformation is nigh impossible. One thing we haven't spoken about, and I'm wondering whether it's time to talk about this, is uh, a step up from the part of the governments on enforcement actions against fake news. Economists say the economic turmoil caused by such a pandemic will last for years, perhaps a decade. The societal impacts, the loss of faith in government, the distrust of news, and the breakdown of social cohesion could last even longer. Eerie, right? <laughs> I'm sure it's a coincidence. But by the way, there's another event coming up this year, and this one is focusing on a cyber pandemic. We all know, but still pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack, which would bring to a complete halt to the power supply, transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack to use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity to reflect on the lessons the cybersecurity community can draw and improve our preparedness for a potential cyber pandemic. I'm not saying anyone's out here to kill you directly. I believe it's a randomization. That sounds super bad. It's not. It's okay. Just gonna get back to what we were talking about. Go back to the notes. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna note that perhaps for the greater good interests, limiting reproduction, finance, and self governments would be important in order to form a new kind of citizen. The kind of citizen one might view as ideal in, say, a new world. One thought up and designed by those who have ruled us from the beginning many of whom are not only directly related to each other. I'm not going to go further on that, but I just it needs to be said. 
don't believe me, look into it. I just want to note that these are the same people who encourage us to sign up and fight wars that are claimed to be for human rights, when in reality, they're more often than not about money, opium, or oil. And these are the same people who expected all of us to willingly participate in a mass experiment or face an unpromised future. So, how do I feel that these people are hosting events which are intended to plan my future? Man, I can't say that I'm at ease. I'm gonna be honest. I, I'd also rather not run headfirst at these groups or organizations because being emotionally reactive to the injustice we all know is happening and has been happening is only ultimately gonna cost me or us. You and I, you know? Not the people who are mapping out our futures with or without us, for better or for worse. I mean, the concept of depop or population control is irritating. We relate it back to ourselves, right? The individual or our child or our lover, and it becomes a personal attack feeling. And this is why when traversing these types of topics, I try very diligently to check my outrage and my frustrations, which is obviously easier said than done. But then again, we wouldn't be having this conversation if I couldn't work past my feelings to explore it a little. Am I right? Maybe. <laughs> I think the way to keep the communities and countries ours is to remember that nothing is free. We must earn that which we want on some level or another. So we kind of need to get more proactive, meaning supporting local. And maybe if you're able, invest directly into small businesses that have sustainable business models, ones that want to shape tomorrow with you and not for you. And if you're able or know someone who is, encourage them to invest in local real estate and provide affordable housing which would lower the dependency on government funding. And if you can lower that, that dependency, then the power they have to dangle the carrot is removed and you can give people their power back. Now, I'm not saying everyone will take their power back, um, but I think we're well aware of where people stand lately. But for those who want to, for me, I think that's beautiful. But we're not all on that level. I'm not on that level. I mean, if you're on the level I am, which is at this moment supporting local through direct commerce, then do your part. You can also become a member of a political party. Yeah, I know. Sounds a little lame. But this will give you a say, or it's supposed to. And if enough of us did it, they wouldn't have any choice but to listen. So power in numbers? Power in accountability? We only have ourselves to blame for where we stand today. Because we took our hands off of our government. And, I mean, not everyone. But those who did clearly got us here. So you need to get your shit back in the mud. You need to get back into paying attention to that. I'm not saying you need to dedicate your days and nights to fucking CPAC. But at least try to spend a little time every week or month looking at upcoming bills and seeing if they reflect the future you want. Because if they don't, you need to speak to your local members of parliament. And you can do that. You're not voiceless. And even if you were voiceless, you can write it down. I'm not saying you need to physically fight back. You need to take a stand. You need to make demands. There's another way that you could do it. Uh, something else that I'm working on right now is learning how to grow food so that I'm a little less at the, at the beck and call of the government when they decide to pull plugs or change rules if I don't do this to not get that. Uh, I, I am concerned. I mean, they're warning us about this, right? They've been very open about the fact that they see shortages happening. Whether or not they directly play a role in that coming out, whether or not the fact that Bill Gates has bought up a huge amount of agriculture in the States, whether or not you had farmers complaining last year that they were told they wouldn't get their tax incentives if they didn't destroy their crops. Never mind the evidence around the potential shortage that was just an idea that farmers were warning us about last year. Now we have these special, very powerful, only care about your best outcome people 
telling you it's coming. Could they prevent it? thousand percent. Did they have a hand in making it happen? So you should learn how to grow some food. <laughs> I'm sure there's a vibe many of us can relate to, you know what I mean? But to be honest, at the end of the day, I really don't know what to expect with these constant unfolding agendas. But I do know that I don't want to be at the mercy of their hunger games, nor the victim of their perfect solutions. We need to remember that we should control our lives and how we live it. We are growing weak and dependent, and frankly, stupid by choice. Easier to ingest a hand-delivered speech? Easier to trust this source than source it? We need to be accountable across all aspects of our lives and the shared reality. Again, we are where we are because we allow it. Remember that this is your bus, your movie, your unique experience, and it is time limited. Enjoy it, explore it, and be a good neighbor along the way. I know this episode kind of started on the concept of depopulation and the agenda around it, and I, I, but I hope that we're ending on the agreement that it is time that we all start expanding our skills, our knowledge, and our self-reliance. I mean, it's probably not the worst idea to take a little accountability related to your own survival. Yeah? I mean, no? Yes? Maybe? For me, it is. Anyway, I'm not going to tell you how to live. I'm sure you've had to overcome many mountains during this period. We all have. And I just hope that we continue to remember that at this level, on the ground, we need to take care of each other because those in the fucking clouds, those with all the money who can just fly away from the problem, they don't give a shit about you, man. And so if depopulation is good, I mean, if we had less suffering, maybe, but then <laughs> that's what fucking life is. And you have to learn how to be okay with that. It's not fucking easy. People won't always apologize when they hurt your feelings. People will knock you out. Sometimes you will get attacked. Sometimes you will get robbed. It fucking happens, man. People's hearts get broken every five seconds, every millisecond, I'm sure. That's suffering. So you're just never going to smile again? Sorry, I'm not attacking you. I'm just... <sighs> we can't eliminate what makes humanity humanity. We can absolutely work towards a better humanity. We can work towards a more loving one, one that recognizes trauma and things like that and works through that with people and tries to understand the unique qualities that build each component and each experience which evolves to a certain personality. And we can create systems where there's more equality. Do I think we should go full socialist or communist? No. I think capitalist is the way to do it. Capitalism is the only way. You know, couldn't hurt any of us to get a little bit more self-sufficient. I don't, I, I think it's a good thing. And if enough of us did it, imagine the impact and strength of that statement. That isn't impossible. And it is far more likely to maintain a fairer system than the one which advocates for our finances to be strictly digital. <laughs> it's time to get your house together. It's time to get your community together. And it's time to ensure that you're planning for a tomorrow that you're responsible for. Because you can. It's in you. It's your DNA, man. How did we survive so long before Big Pharma existed? I'm not going to pretend that medicine isn't a beautiful development in our world. But a patient cured is a profit lost. Look, I think we all need to make some effort. I really do. Because otherwise it's going to be some Dr. Evil motherfucker or some frequent flyer of the Lolita Express telling us what life looks like and how it has to look like that. We say no when it, and it'll just stop. We just got to say no. We collectively do not comply and continue to thrive as a community. Not only is that possible, but several states and countries kind of proved it was quite fucking doable, even during a pandemic. So get excited. Get back to your roots, you stunning human. Get out there. Make magic. 
Make the magic of self-reliance come alive within you and around you. Learn and expand your skills. Grow and forage food. Preserve fuel rations during price drops. Get to know your fucking neighbors again. Build networks. And as always, go be motherfucking sunshine, my friends. And until next time, much love. Peace. Peace.